Hello and welcome to The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24. Each week, the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in finance take you beyond the numbers and hype, right to the heart of the big issues of the day. We're checking in with one of our regular contributors to the show this week who's been writing about economic holiday blues. This is the phenomenon of consumers apparently desperate to take their vacation, seemingly almost regardless of the soaring costs of so doing. Why is this happening? What does it mean for broader economic forecasting? And is there the prospect of these holidaymakers returning to the ground post-break with something of a metaphorical bump? Well, here with us to shine a spotlight on those questions is our good friend, the always informative and entertaining Chief Economist of UBS Global Wealth Management, Paul Donovan. Paul, great to have you with us as ever. Economic holiday blues. It sounds like a country song, but don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to sing it. What I will ask you, though, Paul, is this. It's August for many of us in Europe. Maybe our Scandinavian and Baltic cousins have already done their holiday making. But for most of us, this is the the great escape. What are we seeing then in terms of consumer behaviour? Because it's not necessarily what we might have been expecting, right? Well, no, of course, it's been a, a very, very weird few years as far as tourism and going on vacation has been concerned. So obviously, during the pandemic, there was a, a big collapse in tourism spending. People were either unable to go away on holiday or were just unwilling. I mean, remember, it was fear of the pandemic was the most potent economic force. But what has happened this year is that people have shown a considerable desire to go away and to you know, exchange being you know, confined at home to uh, being confined in an overcrowded airport. And this willingness to, to go away on holiday, what is really remarkable is that this is taking place even though the cost of going away has absolutely exploded in the course of the last few months. So people are seemingly saying we will go on holiday this year at almost any price. So, Paul, if people are apparently intent on going on holiday, almost regardless of price, as an economist, I have to ask you, what are the forces at play? Well, this is what uh, Lord Keynes referred to as animal spirits, I suppose. It's the fact that consumers are not always acting in an entirely rational way, which is very irritating at them because it messes up our econometric models. What's happening, I think, is that people feel that they deserve a holiday, they deserve a treat. And so even though the airfare is 30 40%, even 50% more, even though the cost of eating out is more, even though the cost of accommodation is more, they are saying, no, no, we haven't had a holiday or we haven't had a proper holiday for two years. We've suffered a lot of hardship over the last two years, emotional strain. We are going to go away. But of course, the issue here is that because it is costing you more and because you're, you're saying that we will go regardless, and economists would say that the price elasticity of demand has fallen, because of this, you're allocating more of your holiday budgets to the vacation, which means you've got less of your overall household budget to spend on other things. You're having to divert money into going away on vacation. And so what we could end up seeing from this is I think particularly in September and October, as people come back and are sort of confronted by the credit card bills of uh, two weeks away in August, in September and October, we might start to see some fairly rapid demand destruction as people cut back in other areas to pay for the holiday that they've just had. Paul, is it then 
an oversimplification to say, well, look, this is all good news for the leisure sector, but pretty much bad news for everyone else? Well, I think that, yes, this is a, this is a shift because when you have products which have relatively price inelastic demand and all of a sudden holidays seem to have acquired this status, what tends to happen, of course, is you transfer money from the consumers to the producers every time that there is a price increase. So this is something which is absolutely good for the leisure and tourism industry to the extent that you know, they're able to get planes flying and, and offer accommodation. It is good for countries that are net tourism exporters. So you know, Italy and Spain do get a distinct boost from this. And we'll see that coming through in the GDP numbers, if not for the late second quarter, certainly in the third quarter, we'll be seeing you know, the effects of this increase in tourism spending. But again, for countries which import tourism, that is to say, you you have more tourists going abroad than visit you, and for sectors of the economy where there is still discretionary spending, that is to say, it's, it's not the basic necessities of life, those are the areas where you're going to be seeing money pulled back, I think particularly, as I said, after the vacation, as people are looking to find ways of, of paying for a holiday that probably cost substantially more than they thought it was going to in the first place. Paul, let's talk next about household spending capacity. We've been talking in recent months about, you know, about the crunch, energy price rises. That's been very fluid. It looks like there'll be more trouble ahead in that regard this winter. Inflationary pressures we've discussed at length too. Where are we at in terms of the longer term impact of all those factors? And could that post-splurge correction, that economising that you've just mentioned, could that all spell ever greater trouble ahead for the average consumer? Well, we've got to be a little bit careful here because, of course, talking about the average sort of disguises uh, a multitude of problems. So lower income consumers who typically spend a higher proportion of their household budget on food and fuel are suffering a great deal more than a high income consumer will be because, of course, what we're seeing is a, is a price shift with food and fuel prices rising, particularly fuel prices. And that disadvantages the lower income consumer. If we look at the average consumer, what has happened has has been a, a relatively delicate balancing act that consumers have carried on spending. So for most economies, spending has not turned negative, but they've carried on spending in spite of the fact that wages are not keeping up with inflation. And they've done this by reducing their savings rate. So what has happened is we've seen the level of of savings each month has been getting smaller and smaller. As people are saying, well, we're going to save a bit less this month, and that means that we can carry on affording a lifestyle that we've got used to. Now, the risk here, of course, is that if you are unable or unwilling to reduce the savings rate further at some point in the future, then the only alternative is to cut back on consumption. And the balancing act is, can we bring down inflation, get real disposable incomes stable again, rather than the sort of free fall of real disposable income we have at the moment, before the savings runs out? And that's the critical question in the, in the latter part of this year. Are we going to be able to achieve that? Now, inflation you know, is showing a lot of signs of coming down. Certainly, goods prices 
are starting to move into disinflation and in some cases outright deflation territory. But so far, that's not happening fast enough to stabilize real disposable income. So do we see more of these disinflation forces emerging over the next six months before the savings runs out? And part of that comes back to this whole question of holidays. If you suddenly decide, actually, you know, we spent too much on holiday, we've got to save more. Well, if you're saving more, you're not going to be able to support your consumption in the way that you've been doing recently. And that, again, raises you know, risks and presents more problems to household budgets. Well, Paul, perhaps finally, you've already spoken about various areas to watch and watch we shall with a great deal of interest. But can I ask, what should we be looking out for in terms of other next steps? Is it a question of, I don't know, awaiting moves from, say, central banks? Are we hostage to the fortunes of players in geopolitically volatile territory, if that's the US midterms or or Ukraine, the conflict there? Does that actually filter into this space in a meaningful way? Normally, I think an economist would would say, well, we need to listen to the central bankers. But rather unfortunately, both the Federal Reserve and the ECB have torn up forward guidance. So they haven't sort of ended forward guidance and say, no, now we're going to change things. What they've basically done is is say, we're going to do one thing and then do something different. And so trust in central bank statements, particularly from the Fed and ECB, has been diminished. What I think that means is that the markets are going to have to work things out for themselves. You can't necessarily trust what a central banker tells you. And that is going to put a lot more emphasis, in my view, on essentially the behavior of consumers. We want to know what consumers are doing. Now, that I think is an important point. It's what consumers are doing, not what they're saying. Because consumers are going to sound quite negative because the news cycle's been quite negative, your Twitter feed is negative, you're gonna sound quite negative. What are you actually doing though? Are consumers still willing to use their savings to support consumer spending? Are they still willing to borrow a little bit on credit card, uh, particularly in the United States, to support consumer spending? If that is the case, then we will see a soft landing, I think, in the second half of this year. The worry, and it's a very real worry, is that we could get a sudden change in consumer behavior. And I think because so much is unusual about consumer behavior at the moment, the suddenness of the change may catch policymakers and indeed markets a little bit by surprise. So if we see a desire to pay back the holiday credit card bills, if we see sudden concerns emerging about job security, if we see sudden concerns about the cost of heating the home over the winter needing to change behavior now, all of these things could happen very abruptly. And if they then lead to an increase in savings or a desire to pay down debt, then that's going to lead to more of a slump than a soft landing. So that, to me, is the, is the critical thing to be looking at. How are consumers behaving? And we can see that with some of the, the retail numbers, what's happening with retail sales, what's happening with credit card use, for example. We can see that in the, the savings data as well. Those are the sorts of numbers which I think we've got to watch extremely closely over the end of the third quarter and the start of the fourth quarter of this year. Paul Donovan. And that brings us to the end of this edition of The Bulletin with UBS, setting the agenda in the fast-moving world of finance every week here on Monocle 24. 
You can listen again and explore more at monocle.com. That's where you can join the club by subscribing to Monocle magazine. You can also follow this programme wherever you get your podcasts and discover more and find out how UBS can help you at ubs.com. This is The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24. I'm Tom Edwards. Thanks for listening.